This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to People Talk. People Talk is about getting ahead at work, becoming a leader, establishing your personal brand, and motivating yourself and those around you. Hosted by Angela Hall, who has decades of experience working in the field of human resources, you can expect lively discussions about topics like workplace politics, dealing with difficult employees and clients, creating an inclusive workplace, and jump-starting your career. Here's your host, Angela Hall. Hello, this is Angela Hall, and welcome to another episode of People Talk. At People Talk, we talk about all things HR, career, balancing work and family, and just trying to make your way in this crazy world of ours. This week, we're going to talk about bosses, specifically bad bosses. Um, unfortunately, many of us have experienced them. Um, I know I've experienced several during my career. Thankfully, I haven't had a bad boss in many years. Um, but you know, there are many tactics to um, use when you have a boss that's bad. And we don't choose our bosses typically. And so how do we respond to those? The anecdote that I want to begin with happened when I was a relatively new lawyer, just a couple of years out of law school. And I had a um, boss and I worked for a state government and the state in the office that I was in had like a lot of financial problems. And at the end of the fiscal year, we would run out of things like pens and, and uh, paper for our printer and toilet paper. So our boss used to go to um, you know, the office supply store, buy us some toilet paper, pass out one ream of toilet paper to every employee and a ream of paper, I should say a roll of toilet paper and a ream of paper, and was very shocked that we didn't like express extreme gratitude. Well, why is that? Because toilet paper and um, uh, paper for your copy or your printer are something called hygiene factors. And they're not hygiene factors because you get to wipe your backside with, uh, with one or maybe both if you're, if you're in a desperate situation with both of them. No, they're hygiene factors because um, according to Herzberg, um, psychological researcher, it means that something that when it's not there, it makes you upset. But when it is there, it doesn't make you happy. You're like, oh my goodness, I have oxygen. You expect to have oxygen. You only are upset when things like that are not around. So what is a motivator? That's the other thing that Herzberg talked about. Um, and a motivator are things that really make you happy. They want you, they make you engaged. They will make you want to work hard. And certain types of motivators are things such as recognition, um, praise, um, challenging work. Have you seen uh, so far that I haven't said money? Money typically is not a motivator. Money can be a motivator if it's attached to prestige, but typically throwing money at people doesn't make them happy. Matter of fact, there have been many studies over the past 20 or 30 years that say that people's um, happiness really peaks off. And I saw one actually recently that said, you know, somewhere between 50 and $70,000 a year. Now that depends where you live. And you might say, wow, I can't live off that much money. Or you might say, oh, that's a lot of money. But typically it says that after you make a certain amount to make your basic needs, 
if you make start making too much money, you start to feel like you're a slave to your job. So throwing money at your employees doesn't necessarily make them feel better. So a good boss will realize that. But like I said, we're not always lucky enough to have good bosses. Matter of fact, there's an often cited um, study by a psychologist called Hare, H-A-R-E. And he talks about 1%. He said 1% approximately of the uh, population are sociopaths or psychopaths. I'm sorry, I should say psychopaths. And so um, a psychopath is a person that doesn't care about others' feelings. They don't care about hurting people. Um, he said that um, 15 to 20% of the prison population have psychopaths, but only, but, but within the, the general population, about 1% of the general um, male populations are psychopaths. So think about it. 1% of your male bosses probably are, are, are probably psychopaths. Meaning they don't care, they don't have, they're egocentric, they don't, they lack remorse or guilt. They live something they call a parasitic lifestyle. And so you just can't like snap a finger and get rid of all of the psychopathic bosses. You're going to have to learn to um, adjust a lot of times in a bunch of different ways. So what do you do? So one of the things is to be able to understand your boss and try to engage with something called perspective taking. I um, recently had a paper that was accepted at the conference and now it's in review to journal. And we talked about perspective taking and how when you are able to um, look at things from the perspective of your boss, it's, you're able to you know, um, uh, reduce some of the harmful effects of job-induced tension or, and, and things of that matter. Another thing is to engage in a perspective staking that will allow you to understand your manager's style and allow you to adapt to that style. You may, want, you may from close observation, um, may find that your boss may be someone who wants to have like frequent meetings or be kept in the loop. Or on the flip side of that, you may have a boss that's like only come to me, like if it's really, really important, I'm empowering you to do these things. And so you have to learn how to adjust to your boss's style. Another thing is that you need to make your boss realize that you want to do a good job and you want your boss to realize that, hey, you're just not trying to do like the minimum. You want to do more, you want to exceed. And that means engaging in something that we like to call extra role behaviors, extra role behaviors. That means working late, volunteering for another assignment, going the extra mile, especially when you do things like that, when your boss realizes that you are an invaluable person and how you can make your boss realize that you are invaluable, even a, a toxic boss, is to do something called job crafting, job crafting, which is a sexy area now in um, HR and organizational psychology, and what it really means is that you ask for assignments for things that really are things that um, go really well with your skill set, things where you work to develop your skill set, even things that people might not want to do, but you don't mind or you enjoy doing, and things that you excel at doing. So soon you become the expert in this thing. And then you start doing more of that and the things that you don't like to do. 
Like for example, well, this is not so much job crafting, but uh, let me give you an example from my own life. Um, I am not a morning person. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm not a morning person. Matter of fact, it's very unusual that I'm recording this. Uh, people talk at 7.30 in the evening because usually I'm doing it like one or two or 3 a.m., right? Um, and so what happens is that I am known for being the person who can do the late, um, can do the, the late classes. So I can teach the late classes, but please don't give me the morning classes. And I excel at teaching the, the late, like, late night classes. You know, to keep people engaged, energized when they've worked hard and when they're tired versus uh, keeping people up or engaging them in the beginning of the day. And that's just kind of a simplistic type of example to talk about job crafting. But soon as after you get a reputation of doing certain things, you're asked to do those things more often. Another thing that you can do is realize, make your boss realize that you are important. Once your boss becomes a, a person who relies on you, your boss will start treating you diff differently, you hope. Most times we have, we have a situation called the norm of reciprocity. The norm of reciprocity. And what that means is, is that people, when you do a favor for someone, they, it, it's a human nature for us to want to reciprocate. Now, maybe not for that 1% who are, uh, who are psychopaths, but for most people, there, there's this, there's this, there's this, um, not this urge, this like desire that they have to reciprocate. It's kind of like when you open a door for someone, when you're going into a building and then you feel like you have to open up the door for them so they can get through. So it's that kind of thing. And so what happens is that once you start doing these things for your boss, once your boss starts realizing that you're the go-to person, once your boss starts to realize that they rely on you for things, then you get a certain amount of power. And with power hopefully comes the, the notion that your boss says, hey, I'm not in the position to um, treat this person badly because A, I don't want them to sabotage me. B, I value them very much and I don't want them to leave. And C, this person makes me look good. And I don't want to alienate the person who makes me feel good uh, and makes me look good. Because, um, you know, if I have someone who's doing the heavy lifting, then um, that just makes my life that much better. Another thing is that sometimes um, it's, you have to realize that you do have a boss that is really, really bad. So what do you do at that point? You think about, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to transfer out of my um, unit? Am I going to transfer out of my organization? Am I going to um, file a complaint or report? Because I've done it in a study and it was published back in, I think, 2006. 16, it talks about how a lot of people, their rights are violated or they have something to happen to them and they just like suffer in silence. A lot of people don't actually invoke their legal rights. Some people just like slink away. But you know, if we do, if we just slink away and we don't uh, hold people accountable, then they, they, they've been validated. They've been reinforced and they will continue to do those things, right? So sometimes you have to just say, hey, I got to cut ties and leave because this this um, situation is toxic and it's not a good situation for me to be in my rights are being violated my um my personhood is being violated and and so i wouldn't want that for anyone but let's say you have a boss who's just flawed not necessarily abusive 
what are some other things that you can do? Like I said, make them make that person feel that you um, want them to be successful, that their success is your success and help them with their weaknesses. Like for example, I run a lab called the MSU Andy Lab, A-N-D-I-E. And it stands for Accountability, Non-Discrimination, Inclusion in Employment. That's A-N-D-I-E. And if you Google that, you should be able to find our website. And at the MSU and Andy Lab, I have a lot of students working there, but my students know me. They know me very well. I'll have a lot of projects. I'll have things going all over the place. And I, I need for them to say, hey, Angela, um, let, let's do, a, let's do a, a timetable to do this one and that one and this one. So in a way they manage me, right? And that's really good. And that's why um, with my, my lab manager and my, um, my, my um, lab director, uh, Nan did, and Danielle, shout out to um, those two ladies who keep me on the straight and narrow. I'm their boss, but they know my weaknesses and they realize that, hey, they, they, when we come into meetings, they have an agenda, they keep me on, on track, they keep me focused and they give me deadlines and that makes me look better. And so it makes me a bit of boss. Um, one thing that you oftentimes can't um, do is that you can't be petty with your boss. A lot of times, like your boss may be snarky or something like you, that doesn't mean that you can reciprocate, right? Because when you do, then it becomes insubordination or then you just have someone in power who's not liking you. So you have to, when they go low, you go high, that's what you're gonna have to do. Um, sometimes. And I'm not saying if you're being abused, but you know, that little snark or something that could be just a little bit better. One thing that's important that happens uh, in one thing that happens that is not amazing, not a good thing, is that when your boss um you know, you go to your boss and say, hey, I'm going to peace out of here. Um, I'm going to, you know, I, I don't like it here. I'm going to leave. And your boss says, oh, my goodness, I didn't know you're unhappy. And you're like, what? I have felt undervalued. I have felt underappreciated. I have felt X, Y, Z. And then by that time, you've already committed to leaving. So the notion of having transparent and like frank conversations with your boss, let them know how you're feeling to give them an opportunity to respond and be able to um, you know, ameliorate the, the, the situation is very, very important. The other thing that's very important too is to, it goes back to knowing your boss. Um, do research. You might not understand what your boss is doing or like what, your, what the other types of factors or pressures your boss are, are having. And you may only see a small picture of it. So getting information, um, um, being able to see the larger picture can make you feel, make you um, realize whether you're being abused or whether your boss is just treating you in the way that that person needs to engage with you because like, for example, other pressures that they may have. Like it may seem like your boss is giving you a reasonable type of um, request but then you realize that comes from two levels up and then it seems more reasonable. So before you leave your organization though, um, realize that, um, you know, it might not just be your boss, it may be the culture of your organization. 
And so before you think about leaving, um, what you should do is make sure that you're not like transferring from one unit to a, to a worse boss or from one organization that you don't like to another organization that's even worse, okay? Um, I know this is a big issue and I'm giving you just a little bit of it now. And I'm sure that in future podcasts, I'm going to circle back to this issue because it's so meaty. But of course, like I always say to folks, I don't want to overwhelm you with um, a bunch of stuff right now. And I want you all to be looking forward to that next episode. So on that, I'm going to end this episode of People Talk. Thank you for listening to me. And I hope that you um, come back next week to hear another episode. New episodes drop every Thursday. So take care and be well. This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to People Talk. People Talk is about getting ahead at work, becoming a leader, establishing your personal brand, and motivating yourself and those around you. Hosted by Angela Hall, who has decades of experience working in the field of human resources, you can expect lively discussions about topics like workplace politics, dealing with difficult employees and clients, creating an inclusive workplace, and jump-starting your career. Here's your host, Angela Hall.